Choice made for iOS and VegasTripping.com in conjunction with the D Las Vegas are proud to present live from the showroom at the D Hotel and Casino. Make some noise! This is the main event! Direct from the neon wonderland of the Fremont Street Experience in downtown Las Vegas. The Vegas Gang with special guest Zach Conine from Downtown Grand. Five Hundy by Midnight! The original Las Vegas nudist camp for your ears, Drunk Casino Podcasts. Dr. David G. Schwartz, global release event for Grandissimo, the first emperor of Las Vegas. And the outrageous Vegas tripping match game. Make some noise, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Pick. Zach Conan, who I think is out there someplace, don't trip on anything. There's some landmines out there to come up and join us. It's kind of like the tour of the downtown Grand yesterday. A couple things not to trip on. Welcome. So everybody, you guys give him a big hand. Give him a hand. Yeah. All right. I usually uh, have a little bit more time to prep, but some last-minute technical issues... Uh, had us in a little bit of a frenzy, but I think we're uh, ready to rock and roll here. So first off, um, welcome. Happy to be here. It's a tough act to follow David's nut butter. but Yes. I, I remember when we discovered that that was a thing, and I couldn't quite believe it. Oh, it's been a thing now, for quite some time. Yeah, I didn't now, know that. This is, uh, I thought I knew that. Yeah. yeah, it's a thing. It's a definite thing. Um, How is the nut butter? So, awesome. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> So you actually work for Fifth Street Gaming. I do. Um, who are Fifth Street Gaming? What is Fifth Street Gaming? So Fifth Street Gaming is a uh, gaming development company. We're a gaming operating company. We are the casino licensees and leases of the downtown Grand. We have a few places in North Las Vegas, as well as our sister company, the Lev Restaurant Group, which operates all the coffee bean and tea leaf, Jamba Juice, and a few other independent restaurants in town. So we're operators, we're developers. Uh, we just try to have a good time. Excellent. Well, I actually want to, we're going to talk definitely a lot about Jantan Grand here today. We've got some questions from uh, all three of us, but I actually want to rewind the tape a little bit. And I think you know where I'm going with this. No, um, so those of you out there, we have a bunch of hardcore Vegas aficionados in the audience. You may remember a, I think it's 2004 TV show, The Casino, featuring uh, Mr. Tim Poster and Tom Breitling over at the Golden Nugget, just down the street. Uh, Zach actually was on the show. I don't know if you remember. He worked for them for quite a time um, through, the, through the period of doing that show and also uh, afterwards. Um, what was that experience like? Uh, is it something that you're yearning to do again at Downtown Grand? Uh, well, a couple of things. One, I, I heard one person clapping when the casino got mentioned, <laughs> which means we found show. the third person besides my mother and my grandmother uh, who watched it. So thank you, uh, whoever you are. Um, it was interesting, you know, my first day in, in Las Vegas, I worked in Laughlin for about six months after college, and then, which was uh, a couple of years of my life. Um, my first day in Vegas after that was getting mic'd up to be on this casino show with Mark Burnett running around and reality television. Um, see, it's a podcast, so nobody can see me making yes. air quotes. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was an interesting experience. I, th I think it, it brought a lot of new people to... Um, to the Gold Nugget to see what we had to offer, uh, and I think it drove some people who had been there for a lot of time away. So, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Um, so, of course, you know I do my interview prep and I try and find out a little bit about my subjects. I noticed your bio refers to you as the smart guy or smart kid or something along those lines. Did you write that bio? I did not write that bio. <laughs> uh, although I also did not stop that bio from getting published. Um, <laughs> 
It's actually pretty funny. If uh, those of you that are interested should go check it out because it's um, it's probably the most quippy bio I've seen in a while. It is pretty quippy. Um, so going back, I look, you went to I think uh, Cornell, is that right? And then UNLV. So you must have known early on that you wanted to do gaming related stuff, or at least hospitality stuff. Definitely hospitality related stuff. What I liked most about the casino industry, especially coming right out of school, was that it was so varied. You know, so many people who leave. Uh, the hospitality program at Cornell or UNLV end up finding themselves in kind of the assistant general manager Four Seasons role. And then if they try really, really hard, they can be the, the manager graveyard shift of Four Seasons. And then 30 years later, they're actually doing something interesting with their life. And um, what I liked most about gaming was it had all the parts that make hospitality great, right? Hotels, restaurants, real service industry stuff, but had the casino part and the entertainment part layered right on top of it. I think the things that we do in Las Vegas uh, end up setting sort of a course for other places in the world of dealing with massive amounts of guests in a short period of time, being able to react quickly. Um, it was a great learning experience for us. I mean, it's, it is, you know, you're a young guy and you're already uh, in an important job at a new casino that's about to open. It's pretty interesting to see you, that's basically sort of living the, uh, the thesis you just gave right there. It's pretty amazing. So I guess congratulations on that. Well, thanks, I think. We'll, uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see after the property opens if uh, you've earned it or not. Uh, I want to jump into downtown Grand because I think that's what people mostly want to hear about, and I also want to talk a little bit about maybe what's in the future, and I know my colleagues have some questions too. Um, so Lady Luck feels like it closed in the 1950s, um, and you're about to open. Why did this take so long? Well, a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, I think the, the property closed in January, give or take, of 2006, and January 2006, they started doing some demo work, and by the time they finished the demo work, uh, the operators, the kind of developers prior to us, uh, realized that now was not the greatest time to be opening a new casino in downtown Las Vegas. So everything got mothballed for a while. Uh, some new equity investors came in, a company called CIM, which is a company that owns the whole parcel now. Now, CIM is an amazing development company, um, private equity company based out of uh, Hollywood, California. They're actually the second largest landholder in Hollywood, California, after the Church of Scientology, um, <laughs> which is the sort of trivia question that you feel kind of uncomfortable knowing. The... Um, <laughs> Now, CIM has done amazing work. They did the Dolby Theater, uh, Trump Soho, a lot of great sort of urban environments. So they sort of came in and, and brought their expertise. And in combination with their expertise, time just started working out. And when Fifth Street Gaming got involved in the process, somewhere in the 2010 range, it, they were ready for us. The town was ready for us. The great work that Tony Shea uh, was doing, the great work that Mr. Stevens was doing here at the D was starting to ramp up. And the sort of downtown um, resurgence, revitalization stopped being a, gee, we hope it happens someday, and started being an inevitability. We've definitely, as you mentioned, seen a lot of new operators and new investment in the last several years. But we also, I mean, there's a big hotel down the street, Vinions, that is still shuttered. Um, what it, why is it that they... Uh, why is it that they have chosen not to open? I realize you're not maybe privy to their internal decisions, but you guys are going forward. I mean, what, what do you see in the market that they do not? I, I don't think it's that so much as, as a matter of timing. Um, we're good friends with the folks at Binion's, uh, very good friends with the folks at Binion's. I think they're great operators. As you know, the four queens and Binion's are owned by the same folk. And I think at some point they will reopen that uh, hotel property. I think what they have learned from recent developments is that there's a value in spending the time and energy um, that Mr. Stevens spent here at the D, that they spent over at the Plaza, and that we're spending at the Downtown Grand. The, the time of just slapping a new coat of paint on something and putting in a new mattress doesn't it doesn't work anymore. It's not interesting, um, and it's frankly not what Downtown deserves. So I think they're taking the time to do it right. So are, does that mean that Downtown customers are now demanding more than maybe they did in the past? 
I, I don't know if it's that they're demanding more, but I think the downtown customer, as they grow and expand, we're really having people um, now, as opposed to even 10 years ago, who are coming downtown because they want to be downtown, because they find something special in the authenticity, they find something special in what makes downtown great, as opposed to downtown being sort of strip light, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if we could be the strip? But we don't really have the budget, so we're going to do it on the cheap. Um, I think that certainly what's happening in this building, what's happening in our building, uh, and what's happening on Fremont Street East and in all the other properties shows that uh, there is a desire to uh, build something interesting downtown. Not something necessarily expensive, but something interesting, which takes a little more time. Yeah. We have in our audience in both here and online people from all over the world, and a lot of them come to, uh, to Fremont Street, and they're probably interested in uh, wondering what kind of customers are you guys planning to target and what kind of, if you do know what sort of the range of rack rates may be, I mean, uh, get an idea of how you're positioning the property. Absolutely. I think in our first year, we're going to have rack rates that are competitive. I think that as people come and experience our room product, our restaurant product, our gaming product, they're going to tell other people and want to come back down. And we're targeting really two main groups of people. You know, we spent a lot of time early on. Uh, when I was at the Nugget, it was interesting. We sort of existed on an island. We never really went out. I asked one of our directors one time had worked at the property for geez, about 20 years, I said, when was the last time uh, you went in the Binions? Do you know if they're still doing their breakfast buffet? And she said, geez, I haven't been in the Binions <laughs> in a decade. Um, it didn't, that doesn't work for us. So we spent all our time from, uh, from our, our assistant level staff to our vice presidents to our kind of uh, chief executive staff, spent a lot of time in other properties, taking notes, understanding what the demographics are. Um, an as uh, a whole endeavor we call Kaleidoscope was actually created by our director of marketing, <coughs> Sheila Marcello, who's in the audience, uh, in order for us to really capture this information um, and understand who our customers were. And what we realized was that there's really two main groups of customers that have been coming downtown. We've got customers who have always come downtown who appreciate the authenticity, who appreciate the value, who appreciate running into the same bartender year after year, who appreciate people who are treated like people and not as numbers. That's kind of the first group. And the second group uh, appreciate all those things, but they're also looking for the sort of um, kind of gritty downtown feel. These are the folks you see on Fremont Street East. These are the folks Zappos is bringing in um, who are looking for all those things, but also actually rebel against uh, the corporate nature of the strip, who rebel against a nightclub program to be right next to a restaurant so that you go to the restaurant and then the nightclub and then the restaurant again. Um, they, they, they have agita against that, and we think there's a real opportunity to provide a great product that is a little more authentic. I have a ton of questions, but I know that these guys do too. I'm going to ask one more, and then I'm going to turn it over to them at least for a bit before I steal the microphone back. Um, one of the things, uh, maybe I would probably describe it as a challenge, but maybe you don't agree, and you can tell me if, if you don't. Um, you guys are offset off Fremont Street. It's not very far, and you do have some large high-rise buildings that uh, people can see from a wide distance, but you have to convince people to walk that block or whatever it is um, out, to, out to see you. How are you going to pull that off? I, I think that's a great point, you know, geographic, uh, location, 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 right? But we find our, uh, our area to be sort of interestingly centric. So we're right next to Zappos headquarters, right next to the Mob Museum, the National Museum of Organized Crime and Law Enforcement. Um, <laughs> right, right next to us, uh, a world-class museum, one of the top two or three museums in Las Vegas, um, which a couple of years ago wouldn't be saying something, but is right now saying something. 
we're right next to the Fremont Street Experience. We're also right next to the Fremont Street East Entertainment District. We're 0.86 miles away from the premium outlets. Our location actually functions a little bit more centric because guests can come to the downtown Grand, experience everything we have to offer, and then hopefully explore out and see the rest of downtown as opposed to sort of feeling like they're right on Fremont Street Experience and that's what their trip needs to be about. We want them to come to Fremont Street Experience because Fremont Street Experience is amazing, uh, but we also want them to go to the Fremont Street Entertainment uh, district. We want them to go over to the Neon Museum. We want them to go to the Natural History Museum. We want them to go to the World Market Center um, if they need furniture while they're on their trip or, uh, <laughs> or go to the Smith Center um, in case they're looking for world-class entertainment. I mean, downtown is our amenity and as such being a little bit off, a little allowing people to have easy access to parking, easy access to valet, that's, that's a boon to us. Well, Dave, uh, yeah. tee you up here. Go ahead, go ahead, uh, fire away. My, my favorite sorts of nut butter are, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm curious about the name. Uh, I, I'd like to know a little bit about the process, how you decided to get rid of Lady Luck, why you settled in downtown Grand, and if you think there's any potential for confusion, confusion with MGM Grand. Sure, well, a uh, couple of things. One, the Lady Luck, of course, is owned by Isle of Capri, um, and we were precluded from losing the name. Um, but the other piece was we wanted to clearly show that there was a change, much like uh, the D changing the name from Fitzgerald's. We are a different property. We've taken everything down to the concrete. The only thing really left from the Lady Luck is the size of the rooms, uh, one single piece of, uh, of granite in the bathrooms and the Luck. I mean, we've really gutted everything else. The, the restaurants are in a completely different place. The casino is in a very different sort of orientation. Um, so the Lady Luck name really never told our whole story. Uh, the process of naming a casino uh, is a combination of uh, long hours, URL searches, and um, sort of trying to find your way, right? So we spent some time being clever, and that didn't seem to work out. Uh, and then we, uh, we looked to what we wanted to be. We wanted to be downtown. We knew that the name downtown needed to be in our name in order to tell our story, that to call ourselves anything else would just be to... Um, sort of ignore what we can consider our biggest asset, which is our location, our downtown location. Uh, when it came to Grand, we, we wanted to be the thing we are. We wanted to show people that coming downtown could be Grand, that it didn't need to be this sort of subset of the strip experience, the, oh, well, that place was booked, so I came downtown. We, you know, we're a destination, and I think that Grand helps us tell that story. What are some other ideas you had? What are some of the cute ideas? I think people might get a kick out of that. Uh, early on, um, for a while, the place was called The George. Um, of course, you, you're all familiar with Triple George. Um, a George, in, in some parlance, is a kind of a good tipper. So we, we like that idea. Uh, that came from the previous developers. Then we played around with a series of more industrial-sounding names. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, and I'm sure, I hope you all will, um, the inside of the casino is sort of a reclaimed factory feel, um, sort of like a non-Disneyfied version of the cannery. Um, you know, uh, very uh, strong bricks and girders and rust and that kind of thing. So we played around with a number of factory names, uh, the Foundry, the Armory, uh, the Brixton, and then there were some riots there, so that, that one went. <laughs> um, is, you know, we played around with a bunch of different names, and then we realized that just calling it the Downtown Grand both got to what we needed simply and was um, told our story. Charles. Did uh, you consult MGM's lawyers about the name? No. Um, as a recent graduate of UNLV's law school, uh, <laughs> I can tell you that, um, amongst other things, Grand would be considered relatively... Generic? Yeah. 
Not that you would use the term generic. I wouldn't use the term generic, uh, but I would use the term <laughs> fair use. So uh, I'm curious, uh, you know, my dad, he, uh, why, why should he come to your property? Well, tell me about your father. Well, he's 83 years old. Okay. Uh, he doesn't really gamble all that much, but he likes to come to town when he can. Curious, why you know why would it why, why would somebody tell their dad or, or another person why they should come to the downtown Grand? Just succinctly, why? I think why? that's a great question. I think variety is one of the options. Um, we have twelve unique bars and restaurants that are opening right at the time we open, and then another five or so opening in the next couple of months, ranging from a great New York-style kosher deli uh, called The Spread, which is actually attached to our sports book, um, to an authentic Chinese restaurant called Red Mansion, which is actually, we, we went looked uh, long and hard, we found a guy named Chef Ken Duong, who's been in Vegas for about 20 years. Uh, he does Hong Kong-style cuisine. Um, we have a restaurant called Stuart and Ogden, which actually, and I'm not sure what sort of 83-year-old man your father is, if he's the more adventurous type or the more sort of set-in-his-ways type, but Stuart and Ogden actually walks the line between both with a menu that features both uh, kind of classic American cuisine on the Stuart side and what we like to call adventurous American cuisine on the Ogden side. Um, we'd like to think that the Downtown Grand offers something for everyone, but specifically to your father's sake, I think that, um, well, I've never been 83, uh, and I hope that someday I am. Um, but I think that a gentleman of that age and with that kind of choice would like to go to a place where he feels like both his needs are being taken care of and he's thought of as an individual and not as uh, just kind of someone who happened through the door. And one of our big service things is to try and make sure that every guest through the door feels like a regular. And that's little things, right? It's a, it's a professional friendliness. Um, but I would hope that your father and everyone's fathers would enjoy the downtown grant. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a couple of operational decisions that you guys have made, at least the what we know about so far. One is everyone's favorite topic, resort fees or whatever they're being called this week. Um, but in most cases, I think you know what I'm talking about. A typically mandatory fee that for certain amenities that are included on a nightly basis usually. Um, my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that you have decided to include what I think you're calling an experience fee? A grand experience fee. Grand experience fee. <laughs> um, I'm curious see, about... See, see what I did there? <laughs> uh. I'm curious about the uh, decision-making process there. Um, you know, we're seeing it more in, on downtown. It's basically standard on the strip these days. Uh, but not everybody downtown has one, and you decided to implement one. We talked to Derek about his decision to do it uh, maybe a month and change ago. Um, I'm just curious what your decision-making process was like. How did that evolve? Well, it was a couple of things. Um, from a, a business standpoint, uh, I think it just clearly makes sense, right? If you, don't, if you don't charge it, then your rack rate is effectively artificially inflated next to other rack rates. And when people are searching through online travel agents, OTAs, uh, as Expedia, Orbitz, et cetera, you're effectively showing them an incorrect rate uh, if you don't charge it, and that puts you at a competitive disadvantage. Um, from a service standpoint, we know the following. We know guests like uh, free Wi-Fi, to have an included Wi-Fi. We know that guests like um, water in the room. So our grand experience fee includes water in the rooms. It includes uh, bottled water, not tap water, obviously. Um, <laughs> they have plumbing. <laughs> yes, yes, indoor. Um, 
includes uh, bottled water. It includes uh, morning coffee, which means you'll be able to go down to any of our restaurants and serve breakfast and have morning coffee, whether it's to go or as part of your breakfast. We're including um, high-speed wireless internet, which we think is important. Uh, we're including free local and toll-free calls, which um, I think is relatively standard in these sorts of fees. And we're also including something that we've been spending a lot of time on, which is our Grand Experience Pass. And that Grand Experience Pass is going to have real value discounts and coupons for places both on downtown Grand, in our larger community, downtown third area, and um, offers within the community, passes to, uh, or discounts to the Ma Museum, discounts to the Neon Museum, discounts to get people to explore their way around downtown. We think that's so very important. Um, and any guest who stays at the downtown Grand and doesn't venture outside our walls, uh, frankly, I think is missing something. I think that, um, we want to encourage people to see downtown. So we've taken this experience pass and, and tried to create some real value. Um, to start with, we're going to have a, a $10 match play. Um, we're going to have free drinks at casino bars, buy one, get one free entrees. I mean, really high value uh, coupons, and we hope people take advantage of them. Do you feel like it's inevitable that all downtown casinos are eventually going to end up with some sort of resort fee? I do. Um, I, I don't know if you see it this way, but I, I definitely feel like people have sort of assigned a certain pecking order to the Fremont casinos in terms of um, relative comfort and amenities versus price. I mean, the Golden Nugget is often least often cited as sort of being the gold standard of downtown in terms of it's got a wide breadth of offerings. It's got a spa. It's got room, it's got room service. It's got stuff that other downtown casinos don't have. Are, where are you guys trying to end up in that pecking order if you were going to uh, if you were going to try and take a stab at where you want to be? If we were to describe the room product, I would say our room product is nicer than uh, <laughs> see the Golden Nuggets gone and changed the names of all their towers, so you'll excuse me a little bit, but I believe they're calling the South Tower the Carson Tower now. Um, our room product is much nicer than the Carson Tower, nicer than um, what I believe is now the Gold Tower, which is the new, which used to be the North Tower, that sort of original tower that Mr. Wynn built. Um, the spot tower has some rooms in it that are completely uh, off the charts, double level suites. Um, but our standard room product, we think, slots directly below the gold nugget um, from an amenity standpoint, from a, um, from a sleep experience. We've contracted with Serta for these presidential pillow top mattresses, which are ridiculous. Um, the highest thread count sheets of any place downtown, and nice amenities. We really want our experience to be a very nice hotel stay, and with 634 rooms, we really have the ability to do that. I, we toured the other day. You gave us a tour. Thank you. Um, I actually was really impressed by the room product. I thought it was really looks great. I can't wait to see it fully decked out and all finished and to give it a try. I think it looks great. I think Glad you guys you are going to love it. Um, Hunter, can I jump yeah, in Yeah, go ahead. Point? Go ahead, Chuck. Um, I'm going to jump in after you jump in. Yeah, I, oh, I'm curious, knowing that... Uh, uh, your CEO, Seth Shore, uh, has a long stint in the WIN organization. And yesterday on the tour, we happened to ride around in the elevator with a couple of high-level former and current WIN executives. The connection between Downtown Grand and the WIN psyche is very apparent, uh, even with the rooms. When I walked through the suites, I, I, my thought was, did Roger Thomas do this on the side? Was this a real thing? Was it, was it, I'm asking you, is it a conscious decision that these rooms are just so teeming with that win style, the Roger Thomas look and feel of the rooms? I think that's a great question. You know, our rooms were designed by a gentleman named Howard Fields, um, who has a company called HFAI, HFAI uh, which is an amazing kind of design company based out of San Francisco. 
Uh, when it comes to the Win aesthetic, I think that both the Win aesthetic and the Win service style, in some ways, uh, were sort of bound to show up at the downtown Grand. You know, Mr. Win um, is Seth's godfather. Seth's father, Mark Shore, was Mr. Win's right hand man for 20 odd years, and Mark actually showed up on your tour yesterday, uh, which was both unexpected and enjoyable, um, <laughs> though moderately nerve-wracking. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was thoroughly impressed with the rooms, and particularly with the price points. He was, He's a man of few words. He was, he was yes. kind of amazed when looking at the rooms, like, that's all you're charging for these? And I, and I can agree with him. They're really pretty stellar. Certainly depends on the conversation. I can, uh, I um, can imagine. But uh, I, I think the, win, the pieces that made Mr. Wynn successful, right, um, and, and I would never uh, deem to speak for the man, but I think service is one. I think a commitment to doing a thing right at all costs is one. Um, you know, there's very famous stories about the Mirage being ready to open and him walking through and noticing that something was in a place that just didn't make sense and tearing it out uh, 24 hours before opening. And I think that, that Seth shares a commitment to that level of uh, perfection. And that's kind of pushed down through the organization. I think that there's an opportunity downtown um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll always love the nugget. You know, it's hard to, to start in a place and not really respect the things that have been done and are being done there, and they're spending a lot of money downtown, Mr. Fertitta and the rest. Um, but I think that there's really an opportunity for the downtown grant to bring some of that old-school service aesthetic uh, downtown in a way that few others, with the exception of uh, Mr. Stevens, have really done. Um, I think there's a real window there. I think there's a real opportunity. I think people coming downtown are no longer just doing it because the rooms are a little less expensive. I think they're doing it because they want something special. I, we hear that from our customers. Yeah, I know. That was planned. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I know you want to get in here. But yeah, do. We, we, so we do hear to just underscore that. We do hear that a lot of people, in some cases, not all, but have felt like some strip organizations have maybe lost a little bit of that personal touch and they feel a little bit overwhelmed in the big in the bigger places and they do come down here on purpose not just because they can save a few bucks service is not a commodity right i mean our wheel of fortune machines are going to be the same as anybody else's wheel of fortune machines um but service isn't a commodity it's a kind of thing uh, there's a gentleman named uh, ellsworth statler um who used to say that you know, i can teach someone to do anything but smile if I find somebody who's the right kind of person, I can teach them to do any sort of task. And that's the type of um, direction I, I'd like to think we're going. So you've talked a lot about how this is not going to be strip light. And clearly, looking at the property, it's a beautiful property. And it okay. seems to have a high level of non-gaming amenities. I'm curious about how you walk the line between offering a new product and catering to the people who are already coming to downtown. Um, just. Those of you who are tuned into Atlantic City know that Revel tried to raise the bar, tried to do something different, and seems to have miscalculated. So how do you, how do you walk that line between catering to the old but opening up to a new, new demographic? I, I think that's a, that's a great question because we spent a lot of time having these conversations. Early on, we, we um, kind of coined it the Cosmo problem, right, which is where you create an amazing, right. uh, amazing entity with uh, amazing restaurants, amazing bars, even a great looking casino floor, and then people just walk by it. Mm -hmm. um, they walk in, they see the giant shoe, and they kind of, <laughs> kind of squint a little bit and turn around, feeling like there's some sort of joke and they don't get it. Um, you know, in all of our design, in all of our pricing, I think pricing is a big part of it. Uh, in all of our looking at what makes a good gamble or what makes a downtown gamble, um, you know, we've been very, very careful to offer something nice, but not offer something that's unattainable. I think, you know, some of our, our restaurants really speak to that. 
the spread, which has a completely accessible price point, has amazing deli sandwiches, you know, rich corned beef, kind of a thick uh, marble cut rye. Uh, that sort of product is universally appreciated. And I, I don't think, um, you know, we hear a lot like, oh, the downtown guest is cheap. I don't think the downtown guest is cheap. I think the downtown guest knows the thing they want and isn't going to pay more simply because there's gold lame on the ceilings. Um, that's, that's not our vibe. Our vibe is providing that product that they want. Could you talk more about the pastrami sandwich? Um, uh, I could. Some, what are I my could. mustard options? Um, well, we've actually eschewed mustard. We're just going with nut butter. Oh, uh, ah. Touche. My kind of place. So uh, could you talk a little bit more about gaming and how you differentiate yourself in the downtown gaming market? Because clearly without Cortez, they've got a very loyal following. Uh, Derek's got a great following here, and uh, Golden Nugget, of course, has their following. So, so what are you planning to do to get people to come to the downtown Grand and, and play there? Well, we have a couple of different things. From a gaming standpoint, um, we have a gentleman named Dave Hallibuck who's running our all of our gaming uh, operations. He's a very, very smart man and kind of understands, having worked in a number of different uh, local and regional casinos, sort of what moves guests and what makes people exciting. We have some interesting gaming options, actually, um, as a piece of sort of historical trivia, uh, when the golden, or excuse me, <laughs> I do that a lot, when the Lady Luck <laughs> shut down, um, they actually kept their gaming license alive by having 16 machines over in what was then called Sidebar, is now called Mob Bar, and Hogs and Heifers, and the reason that works is because if you go to 15 machines, all of a sudden you're a tavern operator, but 16, you're a full-fledged casino, so we kept those machines alive. Now, by keeping that license alive, our casino license actually flowed across 3rd Street. 3rd Street's a private street. We own 3rd Street. And that's allowed us to actually put gaming directly on the street. If we wanted to, if it was properly surveilled and secured and all the rest, we could put a blackjack table in the literal middle of 3rd Street. So instead of having outdoor gaming where it's actually you know, out at a pool and you have to go through a bunch of things to get to outdoor gaming, you're going to be able to walk up and place a bet on 3rd Street in really three main ways. You're going to be able to walk up and place a, uh, um, a blackjack bet directly on 3rd Street. You're going to be able to walk up to our William Hill-powered sports book and place a bet through a little walk-up service window, which happens to be directly adjacent to a window where you can get some of that corned beef uh, oh, that you're so excited oh, about. Um, oh, and man. we've actually, you know, because uh, we spend a lot of our time um, trying to be creative uh, and even more of our time coming up with silly ideas, uh, we've actually created a new casino game called Street Dice. And Street Dice, which is patent pending for all of you out there who are <laughs> calling the patent office, um, patent pending and uh, going through gaming right now, it's actually going to involve um, effectively throwing dice off the side of the building. So we have an outdoor gambling game. We've, we've actually patented CeeLo, uh, depending on where yeah, everyone grew up. That may or may not mean something to you. But um, So large-scale dice thrown off the side of the building. Again, just trying to create Will something they be a little fuzzy? more interesting. Uh, they will not be fuzzy. We tried to get fuzzy dice, but uh, gaming has a no fuzzy clause, apparently. Um. Um, we, uh, we are on a strict deadline, or time, time schedule today, so we're uh, only going to have time for a couple more questions, but I do want to try and sneak a few more in here. Um, you guys are spending millions of dollars to come up with this design for this property that you know, needs to last for an extended period of time. I mean, I'm sure that there will be some things that you end up changing after they may not work. I mean, that happens everywhere. Some things don't work the way you think they're going to. But generally speaking, it's got to live for a while. How do you create a design that is current but also somewhat timeless? 
It's a great question, uh, one that we spend a lot of time thinking about. It, service is timeless. Uh, good, authentic things are timeless. The, the Hong Kong-style cuisine that we're serving in Red Mansion is the Hong Kong-style cuisine that they've been serving for the last couple of hundred years. I mean, there's not... Uh, these certain things don't need to continually um, be refreshed. I think as we designed the casino, we did so in a very modular fashion. You know, we actually, because we are a completely new build, we have the ability to bring in all new machines. You know, our 575 machines are all brand new. Some of them are server-based, so as we need to change things around, we're able to do that. We've created sort of flexibility. Picnic, which is our urban rooftop pool retreat, uh, which is this sort of neat 1,500-person venue, about 35,000 square feet, on the roof of the casino proper, is almost the definition of a space that can change to meet the guest needs. I mean, it, it has uh, a neat little patch of grass and a bandstand, and we see that as the area where we're playing Finding Nemo for locals and their kids on a Friday afternoon and having a DJ that night, a bocce ball tournament the next morning, uh, Tai Chi on Sundays. I mean, we're really going to be able to use that for whatever we want to. Um, by creating venues that are flexible and by realizing that the only kind of constant thing is the service level, we should be relatively timeless. Dave, did you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, you're about a week or two out from opening. Yeah. What is keeping you up right now? Uh, well, um, I was going to make another nut butter joke, but I'm going to let that but, go. Um, just, the, to, uh, just to, if I could just kind of uh, prelude that question a little bit. So we did the tour yesterday. Slot machines are in. The power's on. I saw training happening. Saw your head of the, pl the loyalty club. So that's clearly happening. It looks like all the pieces are falling into place. What's, what's, uh, what are you guys still nailing down in this last week or two? You know, I think the last week or two, we're really trying to take the time to nail in culture. And um, when we do trainings, there's obviously there's a, a, a desire, a thirst to make sure that people know how to do everything, that they know where all the levers and buttons are. Um, but then kind of our small sort of core loyalty group culture group comes in and tries to make sure that people understand why we're doing the thing we're doing, why perhaps that process has an extra step, but that extra step is to find out more information about the customer that we can then use uh, to speak to them in a different way. We're trying to drill in that culture. Um, I don't expect that when we're done, everyone will be able to sort of recite the nuances of the Stuart and Ogden backstory as we'd like them to, uh, but I want to make sure that everyone gets that things are intentional. Um, what keeps us up at night is that you know, we're about to bring in, or we're able to give jobs to, you know, 800 or so Nevadans who need them. Um, we're able to come in and do this great thing. The only thing that really keeps us up at night is the anticipation uh, of waiting for the opening day. Great. Um, I, I want to close with this question, I think, which is, um, you know, you're opening a new property downtown. In, as far as the future for downtown, what's coming next? What do you think are the biggest opportunities, but also... Are there challenges? I mean, we look at the gaming win for downtown, and it's been kind of not all great positive numbers. Is that going to be a problem long term, or do you guys? Uh, how do you guys see it, and what do you where do you, where do you think that's going? You know, I've I've had the benefit of being downtown during kind of this first sort of uh, abbreviated wave in that sort of 2004 2005 area at the Nugget, and then seeing what's happening now. And what I'm seeing different between then and now is in 2004, it really felt like. Uh, a very, very small group of individuals were trying to push 
uh, a thing together. We're trying to push a boulder up a hill in the same way, and almost like Sisyphus, we were just guaranteed to fail. Nowadays, when I look, when I close my eyes, if I go back home to upstate New York for a couple of days and come back, there's 19 people who are trying to push this boulder up a hill, and they're not even all aware of what everyone else is doing. I think the, the critical mass downtown has built in such a way that it's so interesting to watch uh, what Downtown Project is doing, what Tony Shea is doing, what Derek's doing over here. I mean, we're constantly opening the paper and being shocked by the amount of money and the amount of investment, the amount of time and sort of brain power that's coming into downtown. Um, when I look at the challenges that downtown has ahead, there's, there's obvious ones, right? I mean, parking is an issue downtown. Um, security is an issue downtown. But all of these groups now, instead of sort of fighting against each other and sort of trying to sort of create moats between their individual businesses and protect their customers. What I'm noticing a lot more is a lot more cooperation. I'm noticing a lot more security groups talking together. I'm noticing a lot more sort of parking agreements so that we can bring more people downtown. I think everyone agrees that additional guests downtown benefit everyone as long as we're ready for them. Um, so this kind of feeling of cooperation, uh, the work that Downtown Las Vegas Alliance, which is a group that's basically bringing all these people together and, and figuring out issues and working with the city and almost sort of like a lobbying arm uh, for downtown. Um, it's just, it's, it's quite amazing. It's just so neat to see people finally walking across Las Vegas Boulevard. It's so neat to see people walking down to the Mom Museum. I mean, we always talk about, um, you know, I'm, I'm from a very, very small town, like two prisons and one and a half traffic lights, but the, uh, uh, it's so neat to see a real city starting to create. And it's been here for such a long time, but no one else has gotten to see it, right? Because they come to the resort corridor and they come downtown. But now, finally, uh, they're really sort of exploring. They're saying, hey, what's across that street? And then walking over there and being impressed. Um, if we can keep that going, I think downtown is going to be the focus for a long time. Less people insulting Las Vegas in popular culture? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think uh, there's a reason there's a lot of lawyer jokes, and I think it has a little less to do with the lawyers and a, a lot more to do with the interest. So uh, thank you. But uh, before we let you off the hook, um, for folks that want to check out the property, what exactly is the opening schedule these next couple weeks into November, I believe? Why don't you run it down? For sure. We're going to do a, um, a ribbon cutting on 11, 12, 13, uh, which just happens to be an interesting number. Um, <laughs> And then we're going to start doing some sneak peeks starting on the 27th. Um, so pay attention. Certainly follow our Facebook page, and the rest will be announcing more specifics as they come. Um, but we're really excited. I, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so happy to just get a chance to talk for a while. As you can tell, I'm a shy individual. And um, you know, to Mr. Stevens for having you all here, I think the work you're doing is great. Uh, David, I've obviously been a fan for a long time. And uh, it's just neat to be it's neat to be here and need to be a part of all the things that are happening downtown. So I hope you all come over to the property, check it out. Downtowngrand.com is the website. Um, that was part of the URL test I mentioned before. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for Great. having us. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Give them a big hand. Okay. So um, I believe that uh, Mr. Stevens is in the room someplace. Um, I hope. Uh, he's on his way. All right, we're actually going to speak with him. Why don't you give him a hand? And also, you know, yeah. we're here because of him. So please, please. He, uh, he's agreed to talk to us a little bit about a recent purchase he made, uh, this courthouse building just around the corner. 
Um, so I don't really have any prepared questions for this, but I think the obvious one is just sort of starts off at the top. What's the story? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. There we go. Well, I would say first, I, I like to uh, you know thank Zach for coming out and uh, really telling us a lot about the property. And uh, and I'll be honest, I'm probably uh, the biggest fan. And uh, 11, 12, 13 can't come soon enough. So I'm looking <laughs> forward for uh, I'm looking forward to my neighbor, uh, um, you know. Adding a lot more energy down here, so Zach, thanks. Um, well, with regard to the courthouse, um, you know, really for me, it came down to one thing, and um, you don't have that many opportunities to buy an entire square city block all that often. And and in reality, you know, I I, I really was of the thought process that um, this may be the only time in my lifetime that you'd be able to buy an entire square city block and. When it's uh, right in the heart of all the action, it was one of the things that uh, you know we were looking at. We we knew that the city and county um, was going to end up um, uh, divesting the property, and when it happened, um, you know we just wanted to make sure we didn't miss the boat. I, so, but I, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you were the only bidder on this property, right? So, what do you, what did you see in it that no one else did? Um, we were the only bidder, and uh, I was happy about that. <laughs> I was happy about that. Uh, you know, really for us, I mean, we were more of a strategic buyer. Um, obviously with it, uh, you know, kitty corner right from our property. And, you know, at some point, um, if things go well, and that's one of the greatest things about Las Vegas, if things go well, um, then starts the snowball. And, uh, and for me, I would say maybe it was a little premature, but I just didn't want to lose an opportunity to buy this, uh, you know, entire block. And, um, um, you know, at this point, uh, my uh, my focus is on one thing: we have to close on the property in December, and then uh, and then we're going to have a little bit of fun uh, blowing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Chuck. I know that you uh, have have uh, speculated on uh, what uh, Mr. Stevens should do over there. I don't know if you want to share with that at all. You know, my my first thought was keep the building and turn it into the Hall of Justice Hotel and Casino. <laughs> yeah. Marvel colors, Liechtenstein, barbed wire. <laughs> Use the jails for sweets. Yep. Like bread and water is the name of the buffet. <laughs> uh, so you're getting like a, a, a law enforcement, superheroes, bad people, punishment, ecstasy, <laughs> agony. You know. Timeless. What do you think? Well, we thought about it, but. Uh, <laughs> But then we decided so to blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to admit, you know, Chuck, with, uh, with, with all the ideas that you and uh, your groups come up with, I, I would tell you, uh, you know, I, I kind of wondered if uh, my phone was bugged or something like that. <laughs> you, you, you've got a lot of great ideas out there. so It is bug day. <laughs> So, so you guys are going to be imploding that property or blowing whatever the proper demolition term is for whatever its size, and then it probably will remain a lot for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to rush this one, um, partly because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to move on something uh, too early, and I want to make sure that we have the right, um, the right situation. I, I mean, I want all the stars aligned, obviously economically, uh, but I want to be able to put put a property together that uh, that addresses a number of, I think, growing needs, um, not just with our property, but with all of downtown. 
And I think downtown is, uh, is changing. Um, the rate of change has accelerated so much recently that it's somewhat difficult in my mind to think of exactly where is downtown going to be one year from now. You know, we've only had a couple of weeks where we've had 1,500 Zappos employees um, come in. We've, we've only had, um, we're still a few weeks away from the downtown grand happening. We've only had a few weeks on some of the other bars and restaurants and some of the other, uh, other you know, things that are going on in the background. And I think with downtown changing so quickly, um, you know, I think our focus is going to be to take the building down. Um, we're going to use the lot for a few different ideas that we have, uh, we have uh, over the next uh, years, year, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe two years, and then, uh, and then put everything together for what the next step is. Excellent. Well, I, I think it's really exciting and interesting. It would be, uh, it'd be super interesting to see what might end up there. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last time a property was constructed from scratch downtown. Um, it's yeah. probably been a while. I don't know off the top of my head what year Dave. that was. Come on, history guy. Yeah, uh, man. <laughs> well, I would throw it. I mean, I mean, realistically, you could say the Rush Tower. The Nugget, right, the sure. nugget was, yeah. was, was a, obviously a substantial investment. But, uh, but yeah, you're, I, I would have to tend to think it was, uh, was it the Main Street Station, possibly? I think so, yeah. yeah. That must be fun, having a blank canvas to be able to play with. Uh, yeah, there's some pressure that goes along <laughs> with it, but... But, uh, but, yeah, it gives, it gives some opportunities and gives some opportunities to grow. So that, that part's pretty exciting. Is there any chance that some of the people in this room might get thrown in the jail you've got tonight, <laughs> Ms. Nomer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say my, uh, my uh, security report came out from last night, and, uh, <laughs> and our, our jail cell here at the D uh, stayed empty, so I'm happy All about right. that. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, before we let uh, before we let you go, any other questions from my colleagues here? I don't know. Uh, all right, we're good. I think um, Derek, thanks for spending a couple minutes yes. to tell us about yeah. uh, what you're doing down there. I know we can't wait to see how that goes. And again, thank you for being uh, so hospitable for all of us here uh, this weekend. Yeah. Very good. Well, again, thank you, thank yeah. you guys. I mean, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm maybe I'm just a facilitator here, but you guys uh, you guys are the stars. Uh, you know, Tim, Michelle. I mean, thank you very much and. Uh, and again, I, I enjoy being a fan of uh, what you guys are doing, so I, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, well, I hope everybody's here having a great time, and uh, we'll see everybody out at Our Lady Peace here tonight. Absolutely. Yeah.